Well, how are we still doing? Good. That's good. Good to have you guys here with us tonight. And uh, before we start, I want to say hello to everyone watching at South Campus. Can we all say hello to South Campus, everyone? Yeah. Love you guys. And this is, before we start, just a little piece of fun news. Next weekend is the one-year anniversary of South Campus. That is pretty awesome. That's pretty huge. It does not seem like a whole year has gone by, uh, and God has done some crazy things through that ministry, and uh, we're going to talk more about the significance of that next weekend, uh, but we wanted you guys to be aware of that because we want to party next weekend and celebrate. Uh, there will be some treats, some birthday treats at both campuses, and uh, it's going to be a good time. And another kind of fun piece of news to go with that is that they're actually moving uh, into the larger theater next weekend at South Campus, which is awesome. Usually when a church is growing and they need to make space, they have to have like a building campaign and they've got to raise a bunch of money. South Campus opens up a different door. It's perfect. It's really, really good. Uh, and so we're excited for that and excited for next weekend. And so we would love to see that place kind of packed out next weekend. And uh, you should continue to let people know, hey, we have a South Campus we have about 100 people that gather there every single weekend and do church, and uh, it's really good stuff. And so next weekend, it's a birthday party. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Uh, I woke up early this morning and drove to Sussex, and I preached to like 400 teenagers, and they had a lot of energy. They were very lively, even early in the morning. And so I believe in us tonight. I believe in our energy ability this evening, right? All right, that was all right. Uh, how many of you have something that you would call your prized possession? Something that you would say, all right, this is a thing that I love. I, I, I cherish this thing. I hold it in high regard. It's a family heirloom, some kind of priceless thing that our family owns. Or maybe, maybe a better question is, if your house were on fire, what is the one thing you would run back in to go get? Your kids and your animals don't count. Don't be boring. What's the other one thing that you would go get. That is the thing that you kind of hold dear to your heart. And so I actually asked some of the staff that were around a few days ago, what would you go get in your house? What's the first thing that pops into your head? Uh, Pastor Dave did not know this about Pastor Dave. He has a coin collection. <laughs> Cute. A coin collection. I didn't know you were allowed to have a coin collection until he had grandkids. And so kudos to Dave. He would go get his... He Actually, he would have said his guns, but they're all in America. And so... There's that. Um, Natalie was, of course, super spiritual, and she said, I'm going to go get all my journals because they're where my thoughts and my heart are stored. And I was like, aw. And then she said, also, my Yankees hat. I was like, gross. Does not count. That burns in the fire. Um, our front office guru, Catherine, I asked her, what would you go get? And she said, her pillow. Right, like when you find a pillow, now listen, when you find the right pillow, that means a lot, right? And then she tried to backtrack and say like, no, 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 my Bible, too late, too late. Pillow was the first thing that came to your head. And then I asked Jamie what he would go get, and he said, just let it all burn. Just let it all burn. Then he said, do I have time to take the TV off my wall? And I was like, no, no, no. So he's just going to let it all burn. Uh, for good measure, uh, I asked my wife, what would you run back into the house to go get? The kids are fine. The animals are fine. And her, her question was, well, where are you? I said, well, I'm downstairs getting all my board games, obviously. <laughs> that was not the answer she was looking for. I think she was hoping I was outside making, making sure everyone was okay. 
That's a lot. I got to pack up a lot of games. It's going to take some time. So I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what your cherished items are. I don't know what you consider to be the most valuable things in your home. Uh, I put the question out online and got a bunch of answers. And a lot of people said they're pictures. If you grew up in a day and age where you actually had to use film, right? Your photos are actual physical items. And if they're gone, they're gone. Right? And a lot of people have not digitized those things. Right? And so a lot of people said, I got to go get those pictures. Uh, some people said old toys that they were trying to like hand down to their kids or to their grandkids, which is great. My parents kept some of my old toys. And whenever the kids go over to play, they start playing with my old toys. I'm like, no, that's mine, actually. You can't be careful with that. That's my toy. Prized possessions is what I want to talk to us uh, today about. And so James 1.18 simply says... He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Out of all creation, we are God's prized possession. We are the thing that he values and cherishes and loves above all things. We are those people that he would run back into a burning building to save. In fact, that's exactly what he did when he showed up on the earth in the form of Jesus, it was him saying, I've got to go get my kids. I've got to go rescue them. We are his prized possessions. And so we've been in the series called My Secret Identity, talking about who our identity really is in Christ. Not, not our name, not our occupation, not our accomplishments, but who are you? And so this is what we've been working through, and today we find out that we are God's prized possession. And so we've been reading through this passage from 1 Peter chapter 2, and we've been doing it every week. We are tricking you guys into Bible memorization, and it's working wonderfully. And we're going to read it again together. I'm going to read the whole passage, uh, I think, if we have it up there. Yeah. And when we get to the bold part, that's when you guys are going to read along with me, because those are the words that are like the declarative identity phrases. You ready? All right. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And so the line in there that we're focusing on today is that we are God's possession, but I really want to focus on what James kind of said. He said that we are his prized possession. We, we are that thing that he holds in high esteem. And sometimes that's difficult for us to grasp. Uh, I know a lot of people who wrestle with the idea that God is somehow against them, that he's not for them, that he's upset with them, that he's out to punish them. And, and God is going, no, 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 you are my prized possession. You are the people that I created and and gifted and have purpose for, and I died for you, you are my prized possession. And that's why we're in an identity series, is because there's so much wrong thinking about ourselves and also the assumptions that we have on how God feels about us, right? But if what God thinks is true, and it is, correct? What God thinks is true, then the way he thinks about you is true, right? And so we should also think the same things God thinks. Also correct? So if God thinks that you are worthy of value and honor, that you are his prized possession, then how should you think about yourself? 
you should also consider yourself to be someone. You know what? God holds me in high regard. He loves me. He calls me his prized possession. And that's not to like puff you all up tonight. Well, God thinks I'm cool. That's not what we're trying to say tonight. But, but we really need to remedy all of the other voices in the world that are telling us you're nothing. You're nothing special. You're one out of seven billion people in the world. You're not that great. And God's going, no, no, no. You are my prized possession. And so you need to think about the way you think about yourself. Because you should be thinking along the same lines that God is thinking about you. And I want to talk about what it means to be God's prized possession. I think there are three ways that we treat our prized possessions. The first one is this, is that we admire and love our prized possessions. Right? That's what you do with them. In fact, a lot of your most valuable items aren't things that even do anything for you. Photos don't do anything for you. They're just there to, to look at, to admire, to love, to whatever. Uh, and so a lot of people's possessions are just things that, that you love, even though they don't really accomplish anything. I, I often think of, you know, if you're a parent, the day that your very first child was born, and not that you, like, love your first child more than all the other ones, but it's that moment where you're like, oh, I did not know that I could love someone that much, right? And I remember the very first day that, I mean, we're in the hospital. It is a surreal moment. We are in like the labor and delivery ward, sitting in a chair, Liz is in a bed. You can hear people like giving birth down the hallway and the down the other hallway is all the nurseries where there's babies crying and there's a spot for your baby there and there's papers that are like, what's your kid's name gonna be? And it's just the weirdest moment of my life. And it was crazy and I was all kind of distracted and what's going on and then the moment that you see that child for the first time and you lay eyes on that baby, a love that you didn't know you had inside of you. And what has that child done for you? No, that child's been on the earth for six seconds. That kid hasn't even opened its eyes. It has done nothing to merit that love. It has done nothing to earn that love or work for that love. It's just this instantaneous kind of coming out of a heart that is overflowing with, wow, I didn't know I could love someone like this. It is a pretty incredible moment. And she's done nothing for me, right? I mean, my first child in that moment, and, she, and listen, she's about to cost me, actually, a lot of sleepless nights, and she's going to be complicated, and it's going to get hard. And yet, at the same time, there's that love that just flows out of this instantaneous moment that says, you're mine. You're my child. I'm responsible for a human. Like, it's a crazy moment. But God sees us like that. We are his children, and he created us, and he sees us, uh, he sees himself in us. We were created in God's image, right? So we kind of look like that. We kind of talk like that, and, and, and he wants to, to love us and see us that way, and he does, and it's this miraculous thing that, that we don't have to earn it. We don't have to work for it. You, you can do nothing to earn more of God's love. You've already got all of his love to begin with. God will never look at you and say, I, I wish you would act more like your brother, right? There's a little bit more love for you if you acted a little bit more like your sister. God doesn't love us for any other reason than he is love. And so he just loves us. It's got nothing to do with us or the fact that we have to earn it. In fact, look at this. This is Deuteronomy 7, 6, and you'll hear echoes of 1 Peter in here. It says, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. 
The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. You were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. And he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. And that is why the Lord rescued you with a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He's saying, guys, I rescued you because I loved you. And I didn't love you because you were the most powerful nation or the most advanced civilization. I loved you because you're mine. And I created you. And that's what I do. He is love. What kind of person do you know lavishes love upon people who are in active rebellion against them? Only God. That's the kind of love that he has for us, for all people. It's a love that says even on the cross in excruciating pain that he prays, Father, forgive them. Not Father, what have they done? But forgive them. It's a love that we can't comprehend. Scripture tries to put words to it. It reminds us over and over, you are God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's special treasure. You are God's prized possession. It's almost like we need to keep hearing it over and over again because we forget. Because we have an enemy who lies to us and says, you're not. And so I want us to know that God loves us. That is what you do with your prized possession. You love it. The second thing you do with a prized possession is you take care of it. You make sure that it is well-maintained, that it is safe, that it is... Uh, how many of you know someone who gets super OCD with some of their stuff? Right? They just get a little uptight about taking care of their things, about being, all, you know, like you step into their car and you're like, does anyone drive this ever? Some of you are those people. We get uptight about our things, our valuable things. Uh, it's like when you get a new phone, when you go upgrade your new phone, you're like, no one touches my phone. And you want to wear white gloves. You don't want to see fingerprints on it. You're always like wiping it down and, and you get an overpriced case for it. And you're like, ah, new phone time. Four months later, you're like throwing it across the room to the two-year-old. Keep yourself busy, please. <laughs> but for those few moments, we're like, no, no, we got to take care of this thing. Don't even breathe on my phone. We take care of the things that we value and that we hold in high regard. I actually came across an article a couple weeks ago about the people who are responsible for setting up exhibits in museums, which does not sound thrilling, but it was actually really fascinating because these are the people that have to hold unbelievably important, priceless works of art and how they kind of take care of them and curate them and display them and all of the unbelievable kind of foresight that goes into getting things the way, like, you walk into a museum, you don't think about that. You're like, neat, bones, <laughs> right? You don't know the work that went in to taking care of those bones and getting them ready, and, and they talk about how certain rooms need certain airflow, and, and the, the wind needs to, like, push the air a certain way so it doesn't brush up against the, the texture of something in the wrong way. The air temperature has to be just right. The lighting is key because light will cause things to fade and get brittle, and that won't work with certain paintings. And so if you go into certain museums, the lighting is super dark, and, and it's got to be a really specific thing. I mean, it's just crazy. They periodically rotate certain things, and they have to mount things a certain way so that if some kid tries to jump on the T-Rex or whatever, it doesn't fall over and... It was unbelievable because they are taking care of incredibly important, valuable, kind of once-in-a-lifetime works of art. You take care of what you love. You take great care of the things that are valuable to you. Sometimes 
Um, it was actually a few years ago, a cleaning lady, I don't know if you heard this in the news a few years ago, a cleaning lady at an Italian museum actually threw away a whole bunch of really valuable works of art because she thought they were garbage. She said they looked old. <laughs> yes, you work at a museum. <laughs> There's a lot of old things. But we know what it's like to take care of something that is valuable and has worth to us. And so some of you have insurance on the things that are valuable to you. Some of you put them in fireproof or waterproof kind of lock boxes. You put your documents in a safe place. Some of you, my passport is like literally in a shoe right now in a pile of shoes. Who's going to look there? Except now you all know and you're going to steal my identity. Go nuts. We take care of what we value. And so the same thing is true for God. If we are his prized possession, how much more is he going to take care of us? How much more will he make sure that we are well taken care of, that we are loved, that we are protected, that we are safe, that we are provided for? I mean, we, we talk about this all night, about all of the different ways scripture says that God takes care of his people. I mean, if you read through the Psalms, you will see declarative statement after declarative statement that says, God is our protector. Psalm 18.1 actually says, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. I mean, that's just three verses, and you list off all the things. Aren't you glad we have a God who shields us and protects us and watches over us and empowers us? Yes. Okay, good. Jump ahead to Psalm 94, verse 14. It says, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward, reward them with a long life and give them salvation. In other words, I'm going to take care of my kids. I'm going to take care of my prized possession. I mean, you think you, all the work that you go to to take care of your kids, especially when they're babies, all those car seats, good grief. But you want to make sure it's in there safe. You really do, because you're protecting your prized possession. God takes care of his kids. In fact, you know, when you go to Google and you start typing something in, it will finish the phrase for you, or it will try to, sometimes hilariously wrong. Uh, I started typing in, God is our, and this is what popped up for me. Took a screenshot. God is our refuge and strength, provider, healer, rock, father, protector, comforter, help, helper. He is all of those things. Those are all in scripture. This is the way our God takes care of us and watches over us and makes sure that we are well taken care of. That's what you do for your prized possession. Be encouraged today that you are protected by the hands of the God of the universe. Be encouraged today that he sees your current situation. He knows what you're in need of. He is a God who can provide. He knows that you need encouragement, knows that you need healing. He knows that you need provision. And he takes care of his kids. So God loves us and he takes care of us. It's what you do for your prized possessions. And finally, the third thing you do is that you should use your prized possessions. You should use them. You don't stick them in a box and chuck them in the basement. You want to do something with them, right? How many of you have a collection of something? Anyone have a collection of anything? Good. 
Good. I'm going to take a drink. Anyone collect anything out there? Anyone have a collection? A couple people. Okay, that's good. That's all right. Here's what I have found. It's just kind of weird with people who collect things. Have you ever known anyone to collect something, but they don't ever take it out of the box? Right? I know people who collect toys and video games, and they're unopened. And they have been unopened since they bought them. Toys are supposed to be played with. Right? Video games are supposed to be enjoyed. You're keeping that thing in a box? Right? It, it, what are you doing with that? Toys are not decorations. Decorations are not toys. That's what my mother always told me. Those decorations are not toys. Well, toys aren't decorations either. Open that thing up. Use it. Have fun with it. I remember I collected sports cards back in like the 90s and was in on that and loved it. And, and there was people who would sell unopened packs of cards from way back in the 50s for obscene amounts of money, right? The idea being that there could be something unbelievably valuable in there. That could be a 1952 Mickey Mantle rookie card. So we're selling it for this crazy amount of money. We're not going to open it. I mean, we don't want to actually find out. And then people would buy it. Collectors would buy them for crazy amounts of money, and they would let it kind of increase over time, and they would sell it unopened. Like, what are you people doing? Open that thing. Have a look in there. Doesn't matter. I think that you should enjoy your prized possessions. You should do something with it. I sold all of my sports cards to pay off bills after college. It was the most depressing day of my life. Now I buy hockey cards at Tim Hortons, and it makes me feel a little better. What's the point of collecting something if you don't do something with it? What's the point of a prized possession if you don't look at it, if you don't enjoy it, if it doesn't serve some kind of purpose for you? And here's the good news. As God's prized possessions, we actually have a purpose to fulfill. He actually wants to use us to accomplish something while we're here. Christians should not be collecting dust. We should not be up on a shelf. We should not be safely hidden away in a box somewhere. Said, what good is it if a light has a box over top of it? You need to be a light on a hill where everyone can see you. I've got a purpose for my church, and you need to fulfill it. I mean, that's the line of 1 Peter chapter 2, and says, you are his prized possession, and then people will know God's goodness. There's something about us knowing our identity in Christ that will help other people in the world see Christ. And so we have a call that is on our life. He has created us and loves us and takes care of us because he has put us here for a reason. And here's how we know that God wants to use us. One example is that he has given us all a spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. That's why you've been given a gift. God has equipped you uniquely with something so that you can use it to help the people around you. You have a gift so that it can be used for his kingdom. All right, you should come on out Monday night, even in college. Learn what your gift is. Learn how it can be used for the kingdom. God wouldn't have gifted us had he not wanted us to do something with it. Another reason that God uh, has told us there's a purpose for our life, uh, here's another one. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. That is a loaded verse. God is making his appeal to the earth through us. And we speak for Christ. That is a huge responsibility. 
What an unbelievable privilege that we carry, that we get to go out into the world and speak for Christ, but that we have to go out and do it. We should not be unopened boxes of toys, safely stored away, waiting until the day comes when Jesus takes me and it's all done, hallelujah. No, no, get out there, because there's work to be done, and there's people who need Jesus. The call is on our lives. What if we don't do this? What if, what if the church just said, no, nah, I'm not interested in that? We are plan A for the earth, and there is no plan B. And so if we don't do this, the world is not going to hear. And so we need to go do the work that God has equipped us and gifted us to do. And then finally, he's filled us with his spirit and said, all right, this is a huge responsibility, but I will give you a gift, me, so that you can go do it with supernatural power. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? We are his temple. And wherever we go, he goes. Whether that's Devon to Marysville to New Maryland to the ends of the earth, we are his ambassador. We represent him. We speak Christ for the people around us. It is a huge responsibility. And so he needs to use us. We are his prized possession. So he loves us, he takes care of us, and he equipped us to go do the things that he needs us to do for this earth. That's what it means to be God's prized possession. It's incredible, and it's encouraging, but there's one final thought there. And again, if that's the way that God sees you, that is the way you should see yourself. You should be encouraged in knowing that he loves you, that he takes care of you, and that he has gifted you filled you with his spirit and said, I have an incredible job for you to do. And there are too many people that think so poorly of themselves. Think, oh, God doesn't have me doing anything important. God has not really given me a gift. There's really no purpose to my life. And all of those things are lies from the enemy. You are his prized possession that he created and loves and protects and empowers and equips to go do the work that he needs done. Now, if that's how God sees you and that's how you should see you, that means that's also how God views the people around you. This is the one that's hard for us. Because sometimes we think so poorly of others. And if you are God's prized possession, so is the person you're sitting beside. So is the guy downtown looking for money. So is the neighbor that drives you nuts. So is that guy at school that annoys you to no end. So is the person who wronged you in the past. They are also God's prized possession. And he also created them and loves them and has a purpose for them. This is really difficult for us sometimes. We like to hear it from God and we like to think about ourselves that way. But it's also for everyone else. This is what 1 John 4.11 says. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Pretty blunt, isn't it? That you can't say that you love God and hate your neighbor. 
And so we need to also see the people around us as God's prized possessions. We need to see those people that, that get on our nerves, the people that, that really bother us, the people that do things differently, the people that believe things differently, the people who, whatever, they're also God's prized possession. And he loves them and takes care of them and wants them to do their work while they're here on this earth as well. And, and it, it always disheartens me when you hear people, believers, speak about other people so poorly, when you see it on social media, when you hear the whispers in the background, and you're like, ah, that's not 1 John 4. And so as a church, we need to know, yes, that we are God's prized possession, but we also need to know the city of Fredericton is God's prized possession. And we need to love them and reach out to them and do our part for them to show them the love of Christ. We need to see people the way God sees people. And we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. And so what a privilege it is to be his prized possession, to know that we're loved and taken care of and purposed for this earth. That is a part of our identity. And I hope that it's an encouragement for all of us tonight. Let me pray for us. God, you are good. And we love you and we are grateful for you. And uh, I know that sometimes even just hearing it and reading it in your word is hard to really fathom what it means that the almighty God of the universe considers me his prized possession. And God, right now, I pray for the people in this room who have trouble believing that. I pray people in this room right now who, who struggle with self-doubt, they struggle with insecurity, they struggle with self-esteem, they struggle with confidence. God, I pray that you would break down those walls right now in your name, Jesus, and they would sense your spirit speaking to them and saying, I love you. Not for anything you have to earn or work for. I just love you. I pray that you would help all of us in this room know what it means to, to be loved by you, to be valued by you, to be protected and empowered by you, to be given a purpose by you. I pray that you continually remind us in these days of our identity in you. What a gift, what a blessing, what a privilege, and what an honor. But God, I pray that you would also give us a heart that sees other people that way. That you would help us to see people the way you see them. And that we would reach out and love one another. They would love one another in this church, our fellow believers and people outside the church. Because your word tells us the way that we love them might be the expression that they see you in. And so may our love point people to you. Help us and empower us. We pray it in the name of Jesus. And his church said, amen. <laughs>